Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Okay, we just finished up the Super Bowl. The season is officially over, gents. Welcome oh. to the Shovel Pass Podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm sitting here with a full house this week. Phil Heim, Chris Heim, and Will Sawyer. How are we today? Happy to be back, for sure. Yep, happy back, but sad that the Super Bowl's over, because that means we have, what, seven months uh, without football, without anything to talk about, just the draft and stuff to look forward to. So, uh, 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 Maybe not. Isn't the AFL coming back this year? Is that so? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. AFL, XFL, USF, USFL. Which one? Time. Which one? There was one of the one of them is starting back. I think up. it's the USFL. Not the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> but did you notice that the Rock introduced the Super Bowl? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. He didn't say anything about it, but you know he did buy the XFL, so maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe he just wants to show his face in a in the biggest football stadium in the on the planet, you know. There you go. Leave somebody with a little taste of the rock and football before he resurrects the XFL. Anyway, if he introduces every game like uh, McMahon there, then yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah. That was great, though. <laughs> oh, Buffer. You're talking about Buffer. Yeah, yeah, Buffer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Wow. So um, what would you guys think? I thought it was great. I thought it was a great game. Um, I really I enjoyed it. Was, it. I, like, I, I liked it. I didn't think it was great. Uh, I don't know if I liked it as much as you guys did. Um, I thought I thought it was a little anticlimactic after the phenomenal playoff series of games we had uh, all the way from the wild card round. Um, it was a little unfortunate that the Rams weren't at full strength uh, and they had continued to lose players as the game went on, especially OBJ. But um, it felt to me very much like as soon as, it was a, as the game started, it was apparent the teams were mismatched. It's just the Rams were a little sloppy in their execution or they weren't necessarily have the best play calling or – it felt like it, it could have been a sharper matchup from my, from both teams, but it was still a competitive game. It was still a good game. Came down to the very end. Aaron Donald made a huge play, huge play, but yeah, it was a fun game overall. Kind of wish uh, maybe the Chiefs got in instead of the Bengals now. Yeah, you, you know, know, I hear what you're saying. It, it yeah. wasn't like anticlimactic. It's funny that you call it anticlimactic. I mean, it ends it ends on on a touchdown and then a, a wicked stop. But compared to some of the games we saw leading up to it. Yeah, that minute and a half that got wasted at the end—it's kind of—it was almost a little anticlimactic because we saw in so many other games that minute and a half get used to the fullest, and the other team drive the field and score with no time left. Um, I don't think we'll ever see a playoffs quite this crazy Wild. and yeah, yeah and, really and close and and the parody we did this year um, yeah. again. It was 
the number of close games that we had in overtime games was and all, all the quarterbacks rising to the occasion throughout the whole playoffs was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> right. And to Chris's point, it's kind of weird at the end then to see Joe Burrow not rise to the occasion and, <laughs> and is that womp womp, you know, he just got sacked. And... <laughs> well, that, and I think also to, to your point about how wild and, and uh, not soon to repeat these playoffs have been, it was such a, a paradigm shift for such a long established thing. that I felt like none of the staple franchises made it that far. Um, it was a lot of new blood, a lot of new people in the postseason succeeding. Like the final four quarterbacks were Mahomes, who's kind of been anointed as the next one. Uh, Burrow, Stafford, and Garoppolo, the latter three of which had not had much playoff success uh, before. And Garoppolo, uh, how many rings does Garoppolo have? Most decorated quarterback in the league right now. My point was, if it, 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 this was the first season since I started watching football, that it felt like a true changing of the guard. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Phil, what do you think of the game? I mean, uh, I, I'm kind of in the, in the middle there. Like, I, I don't think it was a boring game. I don't think it was a letdown. I don't, definitely think it was anticlimactic. I just kind of wish that we had a healthy OBJ and that it kind of turned into a fire into a fire show. Because um, I feel like after the the, the kind of the craziness that happened at the start of the third quarter, where, like, the kind of the Bengals got, like, 10 free points in a sense, like, after then, both teams kind of just stalemated, right? Like, there wasn't as much kind of, I guess, movement. Sean McVay, for instance, like, got real conservative. He ran... He ran the ball yeah. a lot. Like he, he ended up like having to come into the run uh, that could have bit them in the butt later in the game if they did, if they weren't able to kind of like march down at the very end and kind of like uh, and take the lead. But uh, yeah, I definitely don't think it was boring. It was just more like I wish OBJ was healthy because this would have been like the the Rams would have had like would have put their fireworks on and like the Bengals would have had to throw to keep up with them too, right? So yeah, I, I felt like both teams played a bit conservative uh, in the first half. Neither was taking too many chances. The Bengals weren't taking chances. They were running the ball and keeping it close and they seemed quite happy to go into the into the half at you know what were they down three right it's like yeah we're close we're within striking distance that's comfortable we didn't screw up in the first half um i don't know yeah felt to me like the bengals were concerned that um if they turned it into a shootout that they'd lose that shootout so yeah they were trying to keep the game under control and they did that successfully in the first half. Um, the issue is the Rams felt like they had a stronger offense and when it counted at the end of the game, they got it done. Well, we all talked about it last week, right? And and Will, what was what did what was the over under that we had? We said if if they get sacked, if Burrow gets sacked too many times, they're gonna lose this game. And and that seems like an obvious statement. But they, they beat the Titans getting sacked nine times, and the point was they can't do that against the Rams because the Rams have too much firepower and can score too quickly to let them get away with that. Now, it, it was funny because we also said, yeah, but Matt Stafford's not going to throw three interceptions. Now, he didn't, but he threw two. He threw two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was watching the game, too, and he threw a second. I'm like, ooh, boy, we said this wasn't going to happen. <laughs> well, no, but it, even if he throws three, yeah. he's still – not have a better chance. Yeah, he's still not Tannehill, Tannehill. right? Yeah. He can still make up for the three by scoring touchdowns to, to offset them. Tannehill can't do that. Absolutely. Anyways, to your point, though, Phil, what I thought was interesting, yeah, I, th- I totally think once OBJ left the game, that changed the game completely. If he stays in the game, I don't think it's that close at the end. I think yeah. the Rams are, t- 
are getting, you know, um, getting further ahead quicker. And I do think that the Bengals were trying to avoid the shootout a bit. They were running the ball a lot in the first half. And um, what I thought was a bit curious, though, was in the second half how they 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 ran the. I don't know how many times they ran the ball in the second half. I don't have it in front of me, but they they only ran one screen pass the whole game. Yeah, one screen pass. And yeah. if you recall, they scored a big touchdown to to P Ryan. What was it last week or or in the uh, conference championship on a screen pass? Mixon is very capable of catching screen passes out of the backfield. I don't understand when you're tr- when you're worried about that pass rush, which it seemed like they were in the first half. They're running the ball. They're not trying to turn it into a shootout because they know if they turn it into a shootout, now you're exposing Burrow to dropping back too many times and having to face that pass rush. Where were the screen passes? I don't get it. Anyways. I agree with you. So the play calling in that respect was a little bit curious. And while we're on the topic, do do we want to look at a few of the play calls and and <laughs> um, throw some opinions out there? Because I got a couple of opinions on a couple of those play calls um, that could have really, really impacted the game. I thought that that Philly special was goofy and weird and, I, I don't know, unnecessary. It didn't seem like they had to get – they were getting a little too cute. And that's sort of when I was worried about the Rams. It looked like Cincy might actually um, be in control and, and take it home. When you well, got and, and that was, that was this, you know. actually the same word that I used when I was talking to Chris during the game, that it felt a little too cute. But yeah. even aside from the general play structure, um, there was one key quirk that I felt like they missed – the right order of operations. So they have, um, it was cup coming on the reverse, right? And he should have been looking run first and make that corner make a choice because they only had one guy in position to make a play on that pass to Stafford. And if he picks run and he steps up, then you put it over his head. But if he drops back, there was lots of yards for Cup to just run with the ball, yeah. and he's a better runner than Stafford. It's a better percentage play well, and for Cup to just run. A better so runner he, than thrower. That too. That too. <laughs> so to me, all signs pointed, I thought he was going to at least show run. Yeah. And then he might see yeah. about the option. Uh, but he was looking at the he looked antsy. Way. He looked like he rushed it. He threw off his back foot. He floated it. You know, he missed it. Too bad they didn't have Tom Brady out there catching passes. <laughs> oh, come on now. In Super Bowls, he missed. He didn't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I just – I thought that play could have really impacted the game. Like, that felt like a big miss. Now, obviously, in hindsight, nobody's really going to be too hard on them. But if they lost the game – I feel like we'd all be talking about that one. Like, what were you thinking? How could you do that? What were you, you know, you got Sean McVay got in his own head yep. again. You got tried to get too fancy with the play calling, right? We've heard this narrative before. And it's if you been one of my criticisms right? of him in right. the past that he does get a little too cute with you his know, play calling. Whereas and all I heard Monday morning was, 
Sean McVay. Mwah. Genius. That was a play calling Very masterpiece. Genius, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I definitely don't think it was a play calling masterpiece. Like there was, we chatted about it too. Like there was the insistence in the second half to like stick to the run game, you know, when uh, it wasn't working and stuff and kind of, in, in essence, kind of like wasting a few series. Like when they had short fields, I, I recall like a few series they had like the ball around midfield and ended up punting anyway. So they just called run, run, run before you knew it was third down and 10 with literally scrubs out there besides Cooper Cup to throw to. Right. No name receivers and stuff. So it's like, there's that kind of stuff where I'm like, you know what? Like maybe got a little too conservative, but still, like he has a chance for a reason. They uh, ended up pulling it off in the end, and that that last drive uh, by the Rams to kind of like take the lead was still pretty impressive, right? Oh so yeah, he saved his yeah, magic perfect, right? So you end on a high note, you win, and nobody cares if you win, right? Nope. Winning, winning cures all. I winning is the answer. Though, to in defense of McVeigh's uh, attempts to keep the run established. Obviously, he didn't do the good job. Um, they didn't do a good job blocking it up, and they got tacked in the backfield most more often than not. But I didn't have a problem with him trying to get the run going in the second half. I had a problem with the fact that he kept doing it up the gut on the same like three or four plays. Where were the the horizontal runs? Where were right. the stretch plays? Where were the Trapped, where were yeah. the wide receiver jets? Where were the sweeps? Where were the tosses? Like, why aren't you taking advantage of the outside? Why don't you get to the edge? That's what I kept thinking. Is like, yeah, why well, and when he did it, he did. There was that fourth and one that cup. Uh, it was for like eight yards. Run. Yeah. Yeah. And he and he did the little jet sweep to cup. Yeah. The I jet mean, sweep's that a, was great a great play. play call. The jet the jet sweep has been picking up popularity in the NFL the last three, yeah. four years and and, and it, it disappeared. The the side to side runs disappeared. So that's what I had but a problem Akers with. has got some some explosion to him. Like yeah, yeah I would I would have liked to see some of that off tackle stuff and, and stretch plays. You're right. And a, a, as much as um, I, I'm impressed by his abilities, and I know at times in the game there, there weren't a lot of bodies to throw to for the Rams. I was surprised at how big a role they gave to Henderson on downfield passes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The they threw guys. deep to him three, four times in the game. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. Is he really your wide receiver? Is he really your fade route guy, your wheel route? Well, I noticed. Uh, I mean, one of them was a great balls. play. That 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 yes. that one throw when Stafford rolled right and threw back to the left. Like that was a really well designed play. Yeah, but, so yeah. I was surprised Henderson once. got so many reps. And poor Sony Michelle, he's been carrying the load the whole year. He just basically gets benched for the Super Bowl. Hey, he had two carries. I'm pretty sure. So that's he's not like he two didn't see any action. <laughs> he's already got a ring though, doesn't he? He, yeah, he beat game. the Rams. He's Rams. <laughs> That's why they benched him. <laughs> we can't trust you. He's the Rams killer. He's a, he's a Bill Belichick sleeper yeah, cell. He's too many years beating Rams in the Super Bowls. We can't get this ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's quickly let's talk about the two play calls at the end of the game, which I thought were suspect. Um, third and one on the last drive of the game, and they go shotgun and a dive play with P Ryan right up the middle. Why? What? I mean, okay. So I got to assume that the thought was we, we don't have Mixon in there. We go shotgun. They won't see the run coming. They won't think that we're going to run the ball and we'll catch them off guard. Again, two Q. Why give it to Mixon? Mixon's averaging five yards, six yards a carry for the game. You don't think he can get him, get a yard? You don't you don't think he's better suited, better equipped to get a yard than P Ryan? And Mixon is something like 
65, 70% on converting uh, and one yardage, uh, whereas P. Ryan is under 50%. Right. He's somewhere around a third. Uh, and it I, mean, I didn't happened. know that, but that's great. That Yeah. It happened once earlier in the game um, on the first uh, fourth down that the Bengals missed converting. They had a third and one, and they ran P. Ryan up the middle, and he didn't make it. So there was already kind of, uh, you know, a prior play in the game to look to as to whether that was going to work. And yeah, it just, it didn't feel like the right play call. Um, I know they were talking about the fact that they were running hurry up and they might not have had time to bring Mixon in for that play. But honestly, I don't know why Mixon wasn't in on that whole series. Right. You need your best players on the field for the drive to win the Super Bowl. I, now, not taking anything away from Aaron Donald. I mean, nobody else in the league could, jack up a 350 pound guard with one arm and get past him and wrap up a 220 pound running back and keep him from falling forward that was the most ridiculous seeing that lie was, it the was most awesome. ridiculous thing. It was like i remember thinking like oh wow piran's got the first down and then like you literally see the replay his momentum stops like it's not just right. that he it's not that it, he he hit a brick wall from behind going away from it like that was the crazy thing i'm like how the heck that happened like you his legs and just he pulled him backwards yeah. without yeah. any help that was the that was the who else who else can arm tackle and and stop a running back dead that, that was dead. The single, <laughs> the single I've seen the NFL probably my entire lifetime and it happened on that play was more impressive than the fourth down breakthrough when he when he kind of uh, you know forcing completion on Joe Burrow I thought that play on, on third down yeah. was even more impressive yeah that was the most impressive play of the game for me honestly and that is right there is why Aaron Donald's a top 5 all-time defensive player in yeah. my top 3 top 3 i would argue yeah Definitely. i mean uh, at least yeah. in the super bowl era sure. at least in the super bowl era if you want to limit it that sure i mean hey we could do a whole episode on that i think i'd have to dig in and do my research on that i mean i know there's a lot of greats out there and accounting for era is a really tough thing to do um, yeah. especially for you know, for the guys that played before they, they even counted sacks and tackles for loss and all that other stuff. But um, it's hard to imagine anybody playing, being more dominant in their sport, you know. Like, he's he's doing things as a D lineman. I mean, the, the, he's he's putting together a career as a D lineman. If you we want to call him, make a comparison, you know, he's the, whatever you want to call it, a D lineman, right? The Tiger Woods, the Wayne Gretzky, like whatever. I, he's doing things that shouldn't be possible. So what is he? Eight years in, he's seven team for seven time, first team, all pro. Hmm. Or is it just seven time, all pro? I'm pretty sure. Seven time, first team, all pro. Seven time, first team, all pro. Yeah. That's crazy. And three-time defensive player of the year. That's insane. And, and I would say he, he deserved it this year, too. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I would agree, too. TJ yeah. had a great year, too. Uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from yeah. him, but um, I, I, I would have <laughs> voted for Donald. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just um, like that the Steelers now have their eighth defensive player of the year in their uh, franchise. Yeah. That's something. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, um... Yeah, anyways, Aaron Donald, eight years in, we get this uh, rumor after the game that he's going to retire. I mean, if he retires tomorrow, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I honestly don't think that's that's not even a question. 
Like, how do you keep him out of the Hall of Fame? He's only played eight years, but how do you keep him out? But imagine, imagine that class twenty twenty seven. If it's Tom Brady, uh, uh, Aaron Donald, potentially Rob Gronkowski too, and Ben Roethlisberger is the fourth, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer on that list. Like, that's crazy. So you think Ben Roethlisberger is a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's a first ballot, but like I'm saying, if you got come three, on, <laughs> of course he is. Get the fuck out of here. If Eli Manning is a first ballot Hall of Famer, he's which not. he probably will be, Eli's hey, but, he's, he will but be. he's gonna be. But he's gonna be. I don't think, think he so? should be. But yeah, absolutely, he's gonna so. be. The man, the Manning lobbying team is too powerful. Like it's, it's like going against <laughs> the Clintons in Washington. Eli, if Eli gets in, then Rivers has to get in. No. Yes. Rivers doesn't have Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. He has better stats. He's a better quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame spot, I think. If, if Eli deserves it, Rivers deserves just as much. Rivers yeah. is Matt Stafford, but he never left Detroit. I That's don't know about that. I don't know about that. The, the, the never, only no, no, Matt Stafford have, clutch as fuck. Which is where do you draw the line? Because to me, Philip uh, Rivers where I draw the line. If if Eli <laughs> is first ballot, then to me, how do you hold Rivers, and then how do you hold Romo out? Right. But I'm not sure I see Romo making it in. I would love to see that day, but I just don't think it's. Man, I don't think it's in it's the cards. There's too. Many Anyways, the question names. about Roethlisberger. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, is he first ballot? I think he'll get in. I just don't know whether he's a guaranteed first ballot. I think because of how important the Steelers are to the history of the NFL, he will be. It's one of the most storied franchises. If he only won two Super Bowls in, in Cincinnati, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think because he did it for the for the Steelers, <laughs> I think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way he did it, Super Bowl 43, is arguably the best yeah. Super Bowl of all time. I think like there's he's got enough highlight and like he he piled up his accolades early enough in his first few seasons that he literally just rested on his laurels his last 12 which is fine <laughs> you're allowed to do that <laughs> he still did enough to make the hall of fame as a first ballot but like yeah i i think yeah definitely first ballot um the eli question is a good one too but man i'm just thinking as far as like of all the guys who could retire this year like i said to gronk potentially yeah. retire like most likely retiring to tommy's already gone ben's gone if aaron donald leaves again that's four guys who are shooing First ballot Hall of Famers and Ben Ross. Nah, two, two of them are coming back. Brady's coming back and yeah. Donald's coming back. I love, get to that. I love how we're get to that. Brady's yeah. the one that comes back. <laughs> we got rumors. Rumors. We're gonna touch on rumors at the end of the at the end of the show. Yeah. All right. So uh so what's next? Well, what do you think? Is Aaron Donald gonna retire? I mean, a lot more guys are thinking this way, like great players. If you played eight years, he's done everything, he's won the Super Bowl. I don't think so. I think he can he's got he's got a rare opportunity to make it he's only thirty years old. He has an opportunity if he plays five more years at this level to be the greatest defensive player of all time. Yeah. Even if we just get to another conference championship or even sniff another Super Bowl, he can really stake his claim in there. Again, like what he did in this in this this past Sunday uh, was one of the finest defensive performances I've seen from an all-time great in a Super Bowl. That was yeah. honestly reminded me, especially those last few plays, was a can of those flashbacks to Reggie White terrorizing and flipping Patriots offensive lineman one-handed on route to Drew Bledsoe and that Super Bowl he won against the Patriots. Like that's what he reminded me of. And that's who he sits beside as far as uh, in the all-time like echelon of greats. If he plays five more years, five to six more years at this level, he will become, in my opinion, the greatest single defensive player of all time. And I feel like that's worth playing for. I feel like that's one like he's a competitive dude. He's only 30 years old. He can do yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's tough though, because JJ was on his way to that when he won three defensive player of the year awards and then he broke his back and he tore his you know abs and like he's his shoulder and i don't know whatever but he's had like all sorts of injuries that have messed him up over the last few years so i don't know i mean 
it's an interesting argument. You just you got guys being a lot more conscious, it seems these days, when they've got a hundred million in the bank, and they know what it does to their head, and they know what their life looks like in thirty years or forty years if if they keep playing. So you know, I mean, Calvin walked away, right? Now, I mean, he played for Detroit too, so it's got to external impetus. Yeah, that's that's got to. <laughs> be tough but um anyways i don't know i hope he doesn't selfishly as a fan i love watching the guy he's the league is much better with him in it yeah he's, i'm gonna miss seeing him choke guys every single sunday he did it again the super bowl like i was joking with my buddies i'm like guys like what's the over under <laughs> what's the prop bet on because now the sports book uh sports book <laughs> opening up everywhere like and stuff like that like i'm like dude someone's gonna have a bad on aaron donald choking a guy and by gosh <laughs> so, yeah like that's the thing i'm gonna miss seeing that but as far as rams retiring what about sean McVay potentially retiring stuff right that, was that rumor was floated as well. And the, that's, McVay, the youngest coach lie. to win a Super Bowl ever. 36 and years and 20 days. That's the crazy thing. Three years ago, he was in one. But it, honestly, like being a head coach ages you like a president. Like he right now is one of the oldest looking 36-year-olds or like the, the way he presents himself. Like the way he well, looks. Thank after, you. <laughs> after the Super Bowl looked completely spent. And that was one of the things that I think, I think it was either uh, Les Snead or some other VP in, in the Rams was mentioning, he's like, yeah, sh- like Sean's current pace is unsustainable. Like he's got all the energy of a young dude who's who doesn't have kids or, or is not married or have, has kids. But I feel like now that's kind of catching up to him. And you I, think I, so? I feel I mean, like I could buy him stepping away more than I can buy Aaron Donald stepping away. Aaron Donald has a limited window within which to continue dominating and, and cement his legacy. Sean McVay is the youngest Super Bowl winning head coach and the youngest to be in two Super Bowls before 40. So he can step away for 10 years, come back at 45, 46, and still have 20 more years of this league to make a legacy. I think he can step away, recharge, yes. pull Sean Payton, and come back. That's more likely. And the Rams would welcome him back with open arms. They would happily take two, th- they would happily wait till 2024 when they get their first round picks back to just tank and eat shit until Sean McVay is willing to come back. I guarantee that. Maybe you think a 36-year-old needs a break and you got Pete Carroll and Andy Reid and Bill Belichick doing it at 70 years the old? The way that he's done it, I think the way – the fact that those – think about it this way. Those men have families and lives outside of football. Sean McVay doesn't. You know, like this is his world. He's got nothing to, to separate. Well, he's getting married this year. Yeah, but but that, but maybe that's why he needs to step away. Yeah. He's like, okay, yeah. well, I've achieved everything I could before a certain age. It's what's wrong with taking a step away, building a family now, and then coming back a better – more rested man who's got priorities, right? Versus just living and breathing football yeah. and burning myself out to win a Super Bowl, which you've done. So I buy that more than I buy Aaron Donald, but I don't really buy that either because I feel like Sean McVay would get too disappointed by it. That's tough, man. That's hard. Years. You just got to the top of the mountain. You're 36 years old. You're the youngest ever to win the Super Bowl, and you're just going to walk away. I mean, I see it. You go to, he goes and does, I think he would be great on TV. You go oh, and man. do broadcasting, you work half the number of hours. You get paid millions of dollars. You get some work-life balance. You get married. You start a family. Like, hey, I, I, I mean, yeah, that's what, what Gruden what did, it? right? What is it? I, I'm pretty sure Romo well, let's talk about is Gruden earning path. more than Belichick right now. <laughs> is he? <laughs> I, I think uh, yeah. they've got basically the same salary. But that's the thing, exactly. And that's <laughs> right. why like, Romo's getting pay. 15 million a year 18, to be on TV. 18. 18? 18. Wow. And that's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> why wouldn't you do that? Step away for a bit, recharge, yeah. study a bit of the game again, become a fan again, build a family, come back, continue dominating, right? Like that's not without that's not within the. He's a smart guy; he can get back there, right? So like yeah. again, like no, who the fact that he's 
been to two Super Bowls and he's 36. He can he's he can take a full decade off, still come back and have a Belichick type run for the next 25 five plus years, and he'd still have a two. He'd, he'd have a one Super Bowl head start in Belichick. So Once he his kids are a bit older. Yeah, exactly. He could absolutely do that, right? So I feel like you know what? That's not the worst play that you could do. No, he no. Could. But I, I don't see it. <laughs> oh, I don't either. I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I just think I'll believe I think it when these I see guys it. that they eat, sleep, and breathe football the way he does. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if he could let himself walk away and could let himself relax like that um, mm. for any extended period of time. Let's see. Okay, so the big question coming out of the game, I saw a lot of this the day after. I saw a lot of it the night of after the game was finished, um, mostly from Cincy fans. But there was a lot of fans out there who felt like Cincy kind of got robbed at the end there with the officiating. Nope. Let's just no. jump out there. And <laughs> you know so, why? T. Higgins, 75 yards. That's all you got to say there. That touchdown should not have stood. That touchdown should have been reviewed. I thought initially on the field, hey, Jalen Ramsey got burnt again. He's been name a better combo than Jalen Ramsey and Burt Toast. I'll, I'll wait. But like <laughs> that was the thing was, but then you saw the replay and you see clearly it wasn't a rake. He got his helmet yanked back. That clearly led to him falling down. That was a, a missed call that led to seven points and is the reason they had a 10 points, actually a 13 point swing with the kind of missed opportunity the Rams had the first half plus the 10 points that they kind of got gifted to start the third quarter too. Like, nope, uh, I don't think – and not to mention, too, like, even the, the calls in that Rams final drive, too, like, I thought a lot of those were fair calls. I seem to remember Cooper Cup getting absolutely decapitated and then having that being that – and right. still catching a touchdown, and yet that being wiped out by a holding call, right? I seem to remember a, a fair holding call in the defense on the goal line that was a fair call. Granted, if you – if the argument is, well, the refs should keep their flags in the pockets in that, that bit, well, yeah, they should. But then, like, they're just calling – it. They're, they're still calling – they're still putting penalties on both teams here. It's not like they were just – you know, dumping on the Bengals. They were calling both sides. And if anyone got away with stuff, yeah. sure, it was the Bengals. Honestly, like minus, like minus the, that big blunder with the 75 yard uh, touchdown on uh, Ramsey, I thought it was a fairly well officiated game. I liked that they, for the most part, kept their flags in their pockets, anyways. And Phil makes a good point. When they did start throwing on the turf, it was fairly even. Um, and I assume when you say Bengals fans being upset by officiating, you're referring to that Logan Wilson holding call at the end? Yeah. Yeah, okay, the first so, one. The first holding okay. call that got them the first down and first. So I remember talking to Will and at first thinking, what's the flag? I didn't see it. So I, I didn't think there was a flag. And then they showed the replay. I'm like, oh, that's a flag. A thousand percent. It's a little ticky tack, but like that's easily called a flag. I wasn't, it didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Like the way I was looking at it, I, I've seen that play any number of times this year and in previous years where they haven't called it. But I've seen, I think, just as many where they have called it. And especially when you look at the previous play, when there's an incomplete pass to Henderson and he got turned around. The linebacker, I forget which linebacker it was, reached in and grabbed his shoulder pads and turned his shoulders facing the opposite direction and they didn't call it. So it should have been a first down anyway. The fact that it waited a play and then they called it on that where there was a hold, it might have been a lower grade hold in the scheme of things. The penalty should have already existed. So I had no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, I'm going to second everything you guys just said. I mean, 
yeah, that that Logan Wilson hold, I thought it was a hold. I thought if he doesn't tug, tug the jersey, he doesn't knock the ball away. Whether or not it's a complete pass or whatever, how that play ends, I don't know. But I think him tugging affected the receiver and helped him knock the ball away. So I had no issue that with them calling. I mean, if you want to make the argument that they weren't calling anything all game and then they call that, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're, if you're arguing consistency, maybe, but it was a penalty and you're at the end of the game when the Super Bowl's on the line. Like if they didn't call it, if they didn't call any of those penalties at the end of the game, the refs are getting raked the opposite way. Like mm-hmm. the Rams. Oh, I, I'm pretty are, sure. I'm pretty sure I tweeted right after the Henderson play. I was like, what do these refs have their flags sewn in their pockets? Right. <laughs> and then the next play, it came out on, on Logan Wilson. And then if you just look at it from 30,000 feet to your point, Phil, they got a free touchdown. Their yeah. touchdown shouldn't have counted. So, you know, this holding the, the Logan, Logan, what Logan Wilson, right? Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Logan Wilson hold. I'm sorry, but that doesn't offset the free touchdown you got. No, and then not. the very next play, if anything, the very next play when Cooper cup gets his head taken off and they call offsetting penalties, that's entirely in favor of the Rams or um, sorry, the Bengals. Bengals. Yeah. Entirely in favor of the Bengals. You just clobbered Cooper Cup. You took his head off, right? Quite po- could have sent him to the concussion tent. Honestly, the way that hit was, and somehow you get offsetting penalties because the because the Rams held, <laughs> like. So yeah, yes. again, like the Rams kind of got the short end of the stick there, and they had to go again, and then you pass interfered again. Like I'm sorry. There, you can't argue to me that, well, that one hold shouldn't have been called and that cost us the game. Like, no, it didn't. I'm sorry. There, you had plenty of opportunities all game from 30,000 feet. The refs didn't give the Rams the game. You know, you could have done more earlier in, 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 and not had those penalties called. And, you know, don't leave the game in the, in the hands of the referees. That's basically what it comes down to. So, all right. 100%. We're all in agreement there. What is next on the the Super Bowl list? I mean, we're going to we're going to get into some rumors, but I think the only other question was that I thought was worth discussion is winning a Super Bowl. What does that do for the legacy of or how does that affect Stafford's legacy versus Donald's legacy? So, I think. Well, go ahead, Chris. Okay, I think uh, I think Donald's on a fast track for first ballot Hall of Fame, regardless. Uh, but I think Matt Stafford was was going to be doomed to the uh, Hall of Great or very good, not Hall of Fame. Uh, but this Super Bowl doesn't guarantee Stafford getting in the Hall. But I think it really helps, and I think honestly, right now he's right on the cusp. He's like bordering. He needs a few more seasons of success winning games, having success in the postseason, at least winning one or two games each postseason, and uh, maybe getting a few votes for Offensive Player of the Year, maybe even MVP if that's in the cards now, because the media who votes for MVP votes for narratives. What better narrative than Matt Stafford gets traded from the worst team, worst franchise in the NFL, wins the Super Bowl immediately. Zero, talk about zero to yeah. hero in one season, right? 
So I think Matt Stafford's his legacy and Hall of Fame odds were bumped way more than Donald's. But Donald's, like we said earlier, just went from being a first ballot Hall of Famer guaranteed to and a top three defender regardless to now on the cusp of maybe the best ever defender because LT had two Super Bowls, right? Aaron Donald's right there. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Chris. Like, and, and that's my point too. Is Aaron Donald doesn't this doesn't change too much of his legacy, but it changes the world for Matt Stafford's. Uh, Matt Stafford with this win, let's not forget, has a now better postseason win percentage than Aaron Rodgers. Let everyone remember yep. that. <laughs> I feel like think about where their careers could be if he ended up in if we just did a little bit of role reversal there, right? Like if Aaron Rodgers was wandering away in in Detroit or wherever it was, the Detroit because whether Cincy, whoever heck else was picking that high up in 2005. Like if you ended up there and not Green Bay, where he, yeah, exactly, forty <laughs> garbage, right? But some like what's to say that he would have had the same? He'd be Aaron Rodgers today. He's not right. Like the fact that Matt Stafford, he would, he would be out of the league in four years. And that's this Super Bowl only, <laughs> and this entire season with the Rams, it only showed to highlight what Stafford was always doing in Detroit, which was leading come from behind wins uh, routinely. He's got like since he entered the league, literally no quarterback has more fourth quarter drives. Uh, or rather game-winning drives than Matt Stafford does. So it's like he's he's been doing that his entire career in Detroit, a city that's notoriously impossible for anyone to win in. And not to mention, too, it's he only had a, he's already had more wins against five-win teams this season than he did his entire uh, tenure in Detroit, right? So that's more on Detroit than it is on Matt Stafford, especially when Matt Stafford's the one who's putting in positions to win without any talent, right? So I think this season just shined a spotlight on his 13-year body of work where that also includes a 5,000-yard passing season, too, People like to forget about, but yeah, like I think this just kind of highlights, you know, he he's been great, but if he does this for two, three more years, gets to I think top seven in some of the major stats, touchdowns and yards especially, then he's a Hall of Famer for right now. Like Chris said, he's on the cusp. Well, and and one stat I remember uh, we we brought up briefly uh, on on one of our previous episodes uh, that was kind of an interesting quirk is that Matt Stafford quarterbacked the two yeah. highest output receiving yard seasons in the league with Calvin Johnson and Cooper cup. Yeah. Which no, is pretty yet. impressive. I mean, th- those guys are impressive on their own. We know how good Calvin Johnson was. We know how good Cooper cup is, uh, but yeah. it takes a quarterback to throw to them. How many good receivers have we seen go through the league and not have a season like Megatron or cup and, Matt Stafford quarterbacked both, so he deserves a portion of that credit. Absolutely, and 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 to that point, Will, uh, while we're on Cup season, can we just talk about the fact that he had the greatest single wide receiver season of all time in NFL, in NFL history? Like, set the record for for catches. He won the triple crown during the season, won it again during the postseason. Then to boot, was named Opoy and Super Bowl MVP. I can't for the life of me. Like that's eight incredible things that he it's did. Everything. It's he won everything you could. Because we know we know yeah. a wide receiver is never winning MVP ever. Like the closest <laughs> an offense you can get as a running back, because that in a sense, like you as a running back, and regardless, you can't fucking win as a wide receiver. So he did everything he possibly could have, and then still won the Super Bowl at, with the game of the line stuff. Had the, you know the clutch touchdown. So I think that he's. I can't think of another receiver. Maybe uh, you know Larry Fitz said it best. Honestly. Talking about his 2008 run to this one, to Cooper Cups now, he's like, Cups got the hardware, right? And that's all that matters. Like, he, he punctuated it with an emphatic, you know, stamp by yeah. getting that, you know, the, that Super Bowl MVP too. So, well, he dominated that last drive. Yeah. And this kind of dovetails into the MVP vote. And 
I say Cup deserved it 100%. I know people, some people will argue, me in the, argue with me in this room. But um, the way he took over that last drive, um, especially with nobody else on the field to take coverage away from him, the Cincinnati Bengals doubled him the whole game and emphasized stopping Cooper Cup, which they did fairly well for the most part. And then you have OBJ leave the game after he tore up his knee and Cup is out there by himself with a who's who of nobodies trying to catch passes, which was obvious. And on the last drive of the game, they basically just said, "Uh, all right, screw it. We're going to Cup. And he somehow got open. And how many times did he get the ball on the last drive? Like four or five times? Yeah, something like that. It's crazy. Like the fact that he took over on that last drive and scored the game-winning touchdown is insane. I just thought it was it was elite dominance. So um, absolutely, yeah, I, don't know. I, I do. I do agree with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, my vote would have been for Aaron Donald as MVP. Now it's a little bit just my level of fandom for him. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, that's all right. I mean. I, I accept a certain level of bias, uh, but watching him all game, the guy was a beast. And and actually, I got frustrated with uh, NBC's broadcast at one point because they kind of they kind of played off Donald. Like, oh, you know, haven't really heard his name too much today. He hasn't really been too <laughs> impactful. And I'm sitting there going, he's taking three O linemen out of the game on every yeah. single play. The only sack that they got in the first half was to me almost entirely Donald because three O linemen were on him and they had uh one O lineman taking Von Miller and uh Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay. He is so important. He is so impactful that they're willing to take three guys on him and accept a, a two-to-one deficit on the other side, one of which being Von Miller. It was like, okay, well, we know we know how they how afraid they are of Donald. And he did it all game. And in spite of seeing more double teams than anybody else in the league and seeing double and triple teams all night. Uh, he was still tremendously impactful, and at key moments in the game, he rose to the occasion. So I loved watching him. Uh, I, I won't, I won't go so far as to say Cooper didn't deserve it. He did. Um, my vote would have been for Donald. Guys, I mean, listen, Chris, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I think I could have gone either way. Uh, if to me, here's how I'll say it. I'm going to go with Cooper Cup because that's the call on the field, and there's not enough evidence to overturn that. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> well put. Well put. All right. I love it. That's, that's great. Chris, are you going to, are you going to Honestly, step out, or are you going to just no, play the so, so So don't, don't get angry at me, but my gut reaction, <laughs> my gut reaction was Matt Stafford, and this is what? why. This is why. I don't think, hold on, I don't think those two interceptions were his fault, or you can't blame him too much for it. That halftime or near halftime pick he threw on third and 14 was more like a punt than it was a pick. I don't think he, I don't really put that on him. It was a 50-yard shot to the end zone. And the second, the second pick, the second pick was to a fourth string, fifth string wide receiver who bounced it right up into the defender's hands. But that's not why, 
those are those lack of interceptions uh, aren't, or rather interceptions aren't why I think he should have got it. I thought for the most part he played a really good game, really clean game. He did the best he could given the, the absolute limitations everywhere. He was on his third string tight end. He had his one starting receiver. I think he had uh, Henderson was out there too, but he that's a running back, right? Like they just were not the firepower they had on the Rams just wasn't playing. So he did all he could uh, for as long as he could to, to play well and get them back in the game. And when the, the game mattered the most, that throw to Cooper Cup to get the go-ahead touchdown was unbelievable. And it was a great catch, great adjustment, great play. But talk about precision. Talk about actually everything. So I thought, Yeah, all right. So I'm not taking anything yeah. away from Stafford, but I just don't think you can give it to the guy if he throws two picks. It's not necessarily fair, but that's how it is. And to your point, Will, you can't give it to a guy just for being a decoy. Sorry. <laughs> decoy. I care how great you are. <laughs> Never mind the, the two sacks that he got. Closed out the game. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best decoy on the field for two quarters. So we're going to give him the MVP. Sorry, that doesn't, that doesn't play in my book. <laughs> and the most impactful defensive lineman on top of that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Anyways. Anyways. Um, but Doesn't yeah, really matter. just just for one quick second, let's talk about that no look pass that Matt Stafford yes. had. Oh my goodness, that was a thing of beauty, and it was obvious. I love that they caught the right camera angle and they released that after the yeah. game because you see his eyes fully, not, Clearly not, not like looking. not like looking out of the corner of his eyes. Yeah. No, he was fully looking in the wrong direction and. If his eyes aren't off to the side like that, Von Bell doesn't move. And he's right in that bubble. So Matt Saffer's eyes pulled Bell out of position and the no-look pass went right in behind him into that bubble. It was beautiful. So the, the, I watched that video closely, Will. The, be, the thing I liked the most about that is you can clearly see him looking, looking him off. He's not looking where he's throwing. But watch his feet. He doesn't even step towards the pass. He doesn't open his feet Yep. towards the pass. His feet are pointing where he's looking. He, it, that is all arm. He arm throws that across his body and perfect. drills cup in the numbers. Like, that was perfect. And it I mean, needed to happen. That, that's the thing. To be like, able to do that at perfect. that level on that stage in that moment, yeah, wow. I mean, to me, more impressive. I don't know. Maybe maybe he deserves the, maybe he deserves MVP MVP just Pat for that Holmes. throw, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, like that's what I kept saying is is I kept thinking he played such a great game, and those two interceptions I didn't think were you could put entirely on him, especially not one. One wasn't his fault at all. So yeah. I thought other than that, he was great. That being don't, said. Don't, don't pull Cooper that Cup. hunt stuff on me. That we threw up fifty yards. It's like a okay, but that was that was no no. That was also <laughs> a fifty fifty like ball in the end zone. <laughs> like I don't I don't blame a guy for taking a shot if it's a fifty fifty ball. I like I'll 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 tell Matt Stafford throw that ball every time you see it. Like, yeah, it is right. ISO and it it wasn't the worst decision. Uh, I didn't really have a problem with it, but uh, yeah, when we're looking at the superhuman um performances that donald and cup have yeah. uh i don't think stafford had a superhuman performance now i did say before it was announced i wouldn't have been surprised if he got it but that's more because i feel like there's a, a quarterback and it's, yeah. they they always get it but chris to your point he throws a 50 yard pass a 50 50 ball to the end zone 
and you're not surprised when it gets picked. Except that when you wa- well, watch Aaron Rodgers do it, game in and game out, and put stop, it right where he needs stop, to be stop, without throwing stop, a pick. Stop, stop. <laughs> Aaron, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that against playoff teams, winning teams with winning records, teams over 500, or teams in the Super Bowl. Stop. He did it to Ben Rosberger's Steelers, and Ben Rosberger, as much as I love him, he's the first Battle Hall of Famer, is one of the worst Super Bowl winning quarterbacks ever. And he did it. He was terrible in three Super Bowls. Ben Rosberger was subpar in three Super Bowls, and they only won by five points. No, so I think enough. we're talking him out of first ballot. The status yeah. right now, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've been arguing before. He is like the worst Super Bowl winning quarterback of all. It's like he, yeah. <laughs> if he ever got to a four, no, he's, he's better, not. Right? He's not he the worst ever. I think Brad Johnson once has won a Super Bowl. Oh yeah, so Trent, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Third worst. He's in good. He's in yeah. poor company. You know. <laughs> okay. Um, that's awesome. I think we did a pretty good summary of the game there. All right. That's it for me. Anything else? Do you guys want to say anything else inflammatory? <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> I will say if if Matt Stafford uh, makes another Super Bowl, not even wins, but makes, he's better than Rogers all time. And I'm going to leave the chat now. So you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. I love it. That's great. Okay. Thank you, tune gentlemen. In, tune in next season to, to see whether Chris's uh, take plays out. <laughs> all right. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you. Great job. And we will uh, do it again next week. Take care. See you, boys.